Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. combination. Amen. You know, sometimes the thing to do when you're in a restaurant and you don't know what to get is get the combo plate. And that kind of settles it all. And so today we just have that great combination of being in the house of God, in the presence of God, and in the presence of one another. People of like precious faith. Amen. I appreciate that so very much. It's an honor to be able to speak to you today. I've never deserved one pulpit that I've ever preached in, not one. But if there's a favorite one, it would be this one. Amen. I've been very honored and very privileged to to be able to speak in various places, but I am honored most of all to be right here on this day. Amen. Let's just pray over the word of the Lord, and let's ask God to touch this word to our hearts. Shall we, Lord? We love you today. We thank you for the incredible privilege that you have given us to sit down and allow your word to be the centerpiece of our heart and our lives. Today, this service is not about entertainment value, but it is about your word speaking to us instructionally. It is about your word ministering to us and carrying us from this very moment into the future, into our lives. We ask you today to strengthen us now. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated today. I want, to, I want to join and link with what Brother Herndon started our thoughts around today, and that is the God of peace. If ever we needed the spirit of peace to just emanate from our lives, it is in the world in which we live today. I'm sure that my life is not much different than yours. Wherever I go, it seems that the current events of our world, whether it is Uh, The pandemic or our political scene just seems to captivate the conversations wherever you may be. Whether you're, you're finding yourself in a church setting or in a secular setting that just seems that everybody's mind, and rightly so, is just centered around that. But when that's all you talk about, there can be an absence of peace. And so I have prayed often, just silently, quietly to myself... When I have been in those environments and I've asked the Lord to allow his spirit of peace to flow through me and into this very room, into this conversation and let the power of the Holy Ghost touch us together. In the book of Judges chapter 6 and verse 24, the Bible uh, talks about a man by the name of Gideon and it speaks specifically about some things that Gideon did. The scripture here says that he built an altar there unto the Lord And called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. I'm thankful today to know the peace of God. Yes, he's a healer. And yes, he is a deliverer. 
And yes, he was manna in the wilderness and water from a rock, and the list goes on and on. But I'm thankful to know the God of peace today. Now, Gideon in Scripture never saw himself as a warrior. He certainly never saw himself as an influential leader of his day. He was really and truly, if we could boil it down succinctly, Gideon was really just like many others of his day. And in that era, he was a survivor. He was a survivor of a very difficult and dark season in the history of Israel. Their enemy had strongly come against them and now they wondered how they were going to survive. Just before their harvest, the Midianite, the enemy, came in and they reaped the grain and they left very little, almost nothing behind. Their cattle, their sheep, everything was taken. Their land was essentially left barren after the assault. Even though the people of, of Israel had drifted from God's original purpose, and even though they probably were reaping what they had sown, they were getting what they asked for. They knew where to turn. They cried out to God again for help, and the Lord heard them, and he set into motion things that would ultimately bring relief for them again. Gideon is the man at the center of our message he was threshing wheat in the wine press. That's not where you would normally find yourself doing that, but he was there hiding from the Midianites. He had scavenged perhaps just a little bit that had not been stolen, and he was hiding in the wine press. And while in this hiding place, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and had something to say. The angel of the Lord stood and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. Gideon was somewhat taken not only by this spiritual angelic visitation, but he was certainly taken by the message, the messenger and the message because he didn't see himself as a warrior even though his ancestors had miraculously been delivered from Egypt's bondage many years before. They now found themselves one more time as slaves in the land, in their own land. But despite this feeling and despite this heavenly visitation, Gideon was still yet somewhat not convinced that God had the right person. I believe I'm speaking to people that have felt the same way. In the face of God trying to speak something into our life or give birth to something in our lives, we question, we stand in the mirror of our own assessment and we think, God, are you sure? Are you sure you've chosen the right man, the right man for the right moment in this hour? He was not convinced that God had the right person. He confessed his personal weaknesses. He confessed his personal fear. But you see, God was not looking at the man in his current state. God was looking at the man and what he knew he could become. <laughs> Hallelujah. Every one of us, perhaps, or at least many of us, could find many, many flaws in our life, even today, but many flaws in our past. But aren't you thankful that God wasn't just weighing you on what you were that day? Aren't you glad that God wasn't just weighing you by one poor decision, one dark moment of your life? But God was looking past that and he saw some potential in you and said, I believe I can take that even despite the scar, despite the mistake, despite the misjudgment, God said, I believe that I can take that and work with that. 
Gideon's, Gideon's response to this initial encounter with God was to do something significant. And the scripture says that he built an altar to worship. It was there at that altar that he discovered something very significant about God. And I just want to pause and say this today, that, that sometimes in our darkest and weakest moments, we can discover things about God that we never knew before. Oh, we heard the lyric of song that proclaimed it and we heard uh, ministers in the pulpit that declared it, but it had never been personalized for us. But we found him to be the savior that we needed. And had it not been for that moment, we may have never discovered it, at least in that manner. In that season of chaos, Gideon found that he was serving a God of peace. Now the book of Judges records, I believe, one of the darkest moments or seasons in the history of Israel. It's a record of their continual disobedience to God and, and the same God that had delivered them out of Egypt. It was just a record of them again and again and again failing God. All of the warnings of the past had been forgotten and they had forsaken their covenant with God. So much so that once again they found themselves embracing paganistic practices. This seems to be a reoccurring theme and sadly in the life of the hearts of this people. Then when trouble would come, uh, they would call out to God and then God would hear them in his mercy and, and he would raise up a deliverer. We, we read that terminology, God raised up a deliverer and the Lord would send somebody, someone to deliver them However, they wouldn't be very long past that moment of miracle until they would forget what God had done and drift one more time away from the Lord. Human nature is amazing, isn't it? You know, often I think we're sincere. I know I certainly have been through the years. We think, you know, if God were to just come do something miraculous, this is all it would take and it would win so-and-so or the community or much larger. But you see, when you look through history and you look certainly through biblical history, you see people that had experienced things with God firsthand. And then soon it just like sand in an hourglass slipped right past their life as though it never happened. It was a pattern in their lives and it just seemed impossible to break. And this cycle went on for generations. Their lack of spiritual stability caused them uh, to have failures in their moral judgment. It, it caused flaws. You can't just turn wrong one time. You're going to continue to be more and more and more wrong. Amen. Twice this statement. The Bible says four times in this book there was no king in Israel. Twice this statement is followed with the observation that everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. However, God was about to anoint one of the most unlikely leaders to deliver them yet again. It seems obvious from the narrative that Gideon was going to have to first come to terms with what God was calling him to do. I believe again I'm saying some things that we can all relate to that, that we first have got to come to terms with where it is that God is trying to take us because it seems so far beyond our reach or our ability it seems obvious that he was going to have to first embrace the idea that God 
would use him in all of his frailties to deliver the children of Israel again. This was going to be necessary before the spirit of peace could strengthen him for the task at hand. He was filled with insecurities and he certainly felt inadequate. Yet, here is an angel of God that is calling him a mighty man. You mighty man. At that moment, certainly Gideon was questioning that statement. He may have had every reason and possibly did have every reason to question that statement. Others around him that knew him might question that statement. But despite this response, God was patient with him. I will tell you today that I'm thankful for the patience of God because there have been times God said move and I didn't move when God's. I'm not proud of that. There are times that God said speak and I didn't speak. There are times God said act and I didn't act. It wasn't because I didn't trust God, but it was self-doubt. I wasn't sure that I had what it was going to take and I'm thankful for the patience of God. Gideon needed more assurance that God was calling him and and, uh, and, it's, it, and it stands to reason. I don't want to portray him as just some mere weakling. I don't want to portray him as a man that lacked a, a spine. But the Midianites were strong. They were a formidable foe. Amen. And so I think it's only fair if we're going to talk about the fear of Midian that we talk about the genesis of that fear. He had a foundation. He had a right to be afraid. They were, a, they were really strong, especially if you compare them to Israel at that moment. Yet God had confidence in Gideon that he didn't have in himself. Again, it was not that God had faith in who Gideon was at the moment or who Gideon was presently. But God had faith in what he knew Gideon could and would become. God said to Gideon, he said, go in this thy might and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Just go in this thy might. I've got a word that I'm going to place in your heart. And I want you to go in the power of that word. God chose to appear to the one who seemed the most inadequate in his own eyes. Yet he was never going to doubt that God, after this, that God was calling him to make a difference. God was patient even though Gideon was reluctant. In verse number 16, the Lord said this, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Go in this confidence. You may not have a lot of history in what I'm sending you to do. You may not have been raised to even do what I'm sending you to do. But I just want you to rest in this word. I am going to be with you and you shall smite the Midianites as one man. I will tell you today that I am so thankful that when God was pushing me out of my comfort zone, he wasn't shoving me out there in the abyss of nothing. Amen. But he said, I am going to go with you. I will stand with you. I will walk with you. Hallelujah. Oh, what a comfort it is to know that God is with us. The qualifier was this promise of God to him. God 
with us. Can I tell you, it makes all the difference. Paul said it is Christ in you. That's where your hope is. is that's where you're going to draw your hope from. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Where are you getting your hope? It's Christ in me. It's not in the economy. It's not the stock market. It's not the political scene. It's not the medical scene. It's not my job. It's not the 401k. Hallelujah. My hope, my hope is not in Washington. Amen. My prayer is in Washington. My hope is not in Tallahassee. My prayer is there, but my hope is Christ in me. Hallelujah. My hope this morning was what I found when I knelt in prayer before the sun rose today. Amen. My hope was what I felt when I began to call on his name when the world had yet to wake up. It was Christ in me, the hope of glory. I am thankful today for the power of God that is alive and well in this very hour. Praise God. No matter how impossible our circumstances, I'm thankful for the spirit of hope. Gideon, like you and I, needed confirmation. Gideon often, like you and I, said, give me a sign. I need you to confirm this. You've asked me to do something way outside of my comfort zone, and I need you to confirm this. He had to know that it was God that was asking him to do such a great thing. I believe that we could certainly pause right here and talk about how that we ought to just operate by faith, and I agree with that. But sometimes we need to understand also that there are times in our flesh we just need God to confirm his word. He needed to know this was God. So he prepared an offering to the Lord. And with that, he placed the meat and the bread, and then he poured the broth over that offering. He was offering that to the Lord. And when Gideon did all he knew to do, when he built an altar, and when he put the meat, and when he put the bread, and when he poured the broth, it was at that moment when he had done all he could do that the angel of the Lord stepped in, touched it with his staff, and the fire consumed the sacrifice. Amen. Gideon knew in that moment beyond the shadow of a doubt that I have been in the the presence of God and it is indeed God that has called me to do this great thing. He experienced I will say both the thrill and the fear of being in a place that very few people have ever experienced. It was Moses who stood on the rock and the Lord hid him in the cleft of that rock and covered his eyes. I'm going to tell you that those that God has called are not just bound in this book as I often like to say but there are men and women that are walking the planet earth. Amen. That we have met. We have been able to be in their presence that have had powerful experiences with God. Aren't you thankful Aren't you thankful that they said yes? Aren't you thankful they said yes? We're here today because people said yes. In response to this incredible experience, Gideon built a memorial. He built a place that would stand as a reminder of this incredible moment in his life. And that was our text, Judges 6 and 24. Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord. And called it, The Lord is Peace. The title, Peace, become one of the attributes by which God would forever be identified. It was attached right here at that altar. Gideon built an altar in a time of crisis after God met him in that special place. I believe we've got some altars and monuments and memorials built in our own life. I believe there should always be a place for an altar in our most difficult days. Amen. We can be assured that God is with us 
And God can and will bring peace in the midst of chaos. Gideon, Gideon's altar served as a special place for sacrifice. A sacrifice, you see, is only an offering unless a sacrifice is being given unto the Lord. Gideon created a place called peace. It may, it may seem odd that he would dedicate, dedicate a place called the Lord is peace while Israel's families were still under attack. Please don't forget that. They're still in bondage. They're, they're, they're still under the heavy hands of the Midianites. They're still quivering and quaking in the shadow of a very formidable enemy. But he said, the Lord is peace and he is peace right here. He's not peace in another country. He's not peace in another land. He's not peace in another time. He's not peace somewhere down the road when we get out of this trouble. He's not peace one day when my healing comes. He's not peace one day when my deliverance comes. He's not peace one day when my answer comes. No, Gideon said, I'm gonna build me an altar right here in the middle of all of this mess and the name of this altar and the name of this memorial is God is peace. Can I tell you today that there is peace in the storm, not just peace after the storm, there's peace in the storm, there's peace in the peril, there's peace in the problem hallelujah, there is a hope in God because the Lord is peace hallelujah, Gideon found a place that was right and he found a place that brought him peace and what better name for that place than I, to identify it at this particular time in life the altar that Gideon constructed I think it's important to note from Scripture, and I'm going to tell you that I believe the Lord just gave me a complete separate sermon about this altogether, and you can relax. I'm not going to preach it today. But the altar that Gideon instructed was a place that remained. This altar that Gideon built stood the test of time, and that is the reason that Judges in 6, 6 and 24 records this. The Bible says, Unto this day... It is yet in Ophrah unto this day. Gideon built an altar that had staying power. Gideon built an altar that had sticking power. Amen. I'm telling you today, I'm thankful for some altars that all of us have built in our life that are still there. They weren't just an altar that served us well in the 60s, not an altar that just served us in the 70s, <laughs> not an altar that just served us in the 80s, but it's something that happened that is still significant in our lives today. Memorials serve to preserve memories. They are places to remember the past faithfulness of God. And that is significant, but they are also places to inspire faith for a future generation. When they build a monument on the other side of Jordan, the Lord said, build this, not for you, but when your children ask what meaneth these stones, you won't forget coming across this river on dry ground. But I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to inspire a generation to come that says, darling, when you come to a river that seems uncrossable, these stones are to remind you that God did it once and he can do it again. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the memorials that are built in my life that help me to remember God was there. But it's not just something to keep from my past. It is something to help my faith in my tomorrows that the God that was there yesterday will be with me tomorrow the God that was in my past he is my God in the future as well praise the Lord 
Praise the Lord. I think there are many things we could do to, to help us find peace in the time of crisis. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we could do, and perhaps we should have common denominators with some. And I realize that we may all have special things that we do to help us have and find peace as we go along through life's way. I believe one of the most significant things that a child of God could and should have in all of our lives is a personal place of prayer. And that may be in this church, but coming to the church may not be convenient every moment of every day. I believe that we need to have a personal place of prayer. My wife and I each have a, a personal place in our home where we enjoy our times of devotion, Bible reading, and times of prayer. I believe that we should have a personal place of prayer. There's so many scriptures that would underscore the importance of this Psalms 91 just being one of them. The Bible says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Praise God. When you are in the middle of the mess, we need to go to a personal place of prayer and remember words like that, that I am going to just stand in the shadow. I'm going to stand in the shade of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. I I am going to have a personal place. Nothing more important than a personal place of prayer we need that personal place I believe that we should commit ourselves to the call of God that's upon our lives we're living in a world today we are really living in a world today that lacks the spirit and the attitude of commitment amen we're living in a world today where there's not a lot of value placed on commitment People go to work if everything's okay. People come to church if everything's okay. I'm, I'm being serious today. People stay. People stay uh, in in their in certain situations as long as everything is okay. But at the first sign of trouble, I'm out of here. At the first sign of this, I'm out of here. There's there's a lack of commitment. A generation or so before us were committed, committed, committed. Amen. I, I'm not speaking against betterment today not at all, not at all, please don't misunderstand me, but there were generations before us that when they when they went to work on a job, that's where they retired I'm not speaking against betterment, but they were just committed, that doesn't mean that every day was wonderful and every day was marvelous, they just were committed this is what I'm going to do I mean they committed themselves to whatever it was But we have got to commit ourselves to the call of God. There's going to be days, no matter what it is that God called you to do, you're not going to want to get up and do it. You miss a great place to just dance and shout and run. (laughs) I'm sure you've heard this story before. The the man who told his mother one Sunday morning, I don't want to go to church today. She said, you've got to go to church. He said, well, I I don't want to go to church. Anybody there like me and... And nobody appreciates me. She said, but that doesn't matter. You need to go to church. He said, well, I don't want to go to church. Just give me two reasons why I should go to church. And she said, well, reason number one is because going to church is the right thing. And the second reason you need to get up and go to church is because you're the pastor. 
No matter what God calls you to do, there's going to be days that you're going to have to commit yourself and recommit yourself to the calling that God has placed on your life. Psalms, David said in 37, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Where is this strength going to come from? How is it going to come to pass? I got a first connect my life to commitment I'm going to commit my way to the Lord I'm going to the house of God and when I get there I'm going to praise you and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to magnify you when I get there Lord I'm going to plug into the song service I'm going to plug into the prayer service I'm going to plug into the preaching I'm not just going to be sitting there Lord I have committed myself to where you have called me and I've committed myself to what you have called me to do Hallelujah, there's something powerful released in us when we commit ourselves to what God has called us to do. Praise God, praise God. We, in addition, must create a legacy. We need to create a legacy in our lives. I heard Brother Grisham many years ago, many, many years ago, Brother Charles Grisham said, there are three things that I try to do every day. I wrote these three things down decades ago and I have commit, committed them to my own heart. He said, every day I want to touch God and every day I want to touch man and every day I want to touch something that will outlive me. I want to touch God every day and I want to touch man every day and then I want to touch something. I want to invest in something that will outlive me. The impact of our devotion to God during a time of crisis, can I tell you, it will create a memorial. It will create a lasting witness to our families and to our friends. I'm not just trying to sensationalize the moment in which we live, but I will tell you from March the 15th until now, the church and, and many other things, but the church is what I'm speaking to today, have been challenged to our very core. Amen. We never dreamed when we walked out of this door that we would not be allowed in for worship for weeks, but we did everything within our power to continue to make sure that the word of God went forth. You know why? Not just so that we could feed the sheep of this hour. That was important to me. It was important to me that, that people could be fed and, and we were doing online services and we were just doing everything that we possibly could, emails and everything to try to feed and encourage the sheep. But there was something else in the back of my mind. There was something else that was pressing. Amen. Not just for this local church but for others. We have got to show the world what you do in a crisis. What you do in a crisis is not fold your Bible and put it on the shelf and say, well, as soon as they open the doors, we'll come back. No, we have got to create a memorial and a witness. We've got to show another generation. I'm going to tell you, I believe it's... My God, I believe it speaks volumes to the world of what's going on today. They may be on the river this morning. They not even may not even have church on their mind. But I want them to know we're here. I want them to know this hadn't stopped us. Yes, we've got people working overtime. Yes, we've got people doing devil duty. Yes, there are people that are going to be here hours and hours before it's all said and done. But I'll tell you what we're doing. We're building an altar. We're building a memorial. We're leaving a legacy. 
and if time should tarry and the Lord should not call us home yet, I want another generation to know this is what you do when it ain't all going right. This is what you do when your service gets upended. This is what you do when your schedule gets turned upside down. This is how you handle it. This is how you handle it. Hallelujah. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Moses said in Deuteronomy 4 and 9, Only take heed of thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. He said, But teach them to thy sons and to thy sons' sons. Talk about it, tell it, and tell it again. Talk about it and talk about it again. And tell it and tell it again. All all of us, if I may, pause. All of us have family members, perhaps uh, a lot of us at least perhaps have family members that were that kind of person. They were storytellers and they would just talk about their past. And, and we sat down and many times, probably at seasons in our lives, when they started telling the same old story, we would think, well, we've already heard this story. We've Here they go again. We've heard this 12 times. We've, uh, this will be time, 13. It's going to be 14. It'll be 20 before it's all over with. But I'm going to tell you, when they drew their last breath and they left this terra firma, amen, I'm asking you today, how much would you give if you could hear them tell it one more time and the reason you even know it is because they told it and they told it again and that's why Deuteronomy 6 and 4 amen says here O Israel the Lord our God is one amen and it goes on to say you need to talk about this when you get up you need to talk about this when you sit in your house you need to talk about this when you lie down you need to write it down hallelujah why because there are sons and our sons sons need to hear they need to know we need to leave something behind for another generation. Hallelujah. This week, this week, the world of Pentecost bid farewell to a familiar voice. Bishop R.B. Bingham slipped from the bonds of this life into that hope that he lived for and preached about for decades. I watched his memorial service online and I listened as his family members spoke of early morning prayer walks that they would take together at the church. Through tears they fondly recalled those moments that they spent together and how he would set a little stopwatch on his phone that would let him know how long that he was to pray And they prayed and they walked and they prayed and they walked and they prayed and they walked together. Maybe, just maybe, I will just take a little liberty here today and say maybe there were days that they didn't want to join him in that prayer walk. I mean, we're all human. Maybe there were days he didn't even want to walk and pray. And they didn't say that. I'm adding this. So let me be charged guilty if I'm wrong here. Maybe there were days, but I'm going to tell you, on that very first morning, they went back into that church, 
and they couldn't hear his feet walking around that auditorium I'm going to tell you they realized that somebody left me a legacy and I need to share this with my children's children I need to share this with my son's sons can I just admonish you today amen let's don't just have church for ourselves. let's don't just try to come and get a little cup full a little teaspoon full for us but let's get enough to take home with us amen get enough to take to your family reunion get enough to take to your office in the morning get enough to take to your job tomorrow somebody's going to need it somebody's going to need it we ought to build a memorial we ought to leave a legacy behind somebody ought to know that we have been on this earth when our time is done amen I'm thankful for the hand of God aren't you amen the Bible talks about not letting our heart be troubled the Bible talks about letting our mind be stayed on him The Bible admonishes us not to fear our enemy. And can I tell you that fear is a dangerous thing because an unbridled mind, an unkept mind, an unrestricted mind can wander into fear and even wander into depression. And that is a very unhealthy environment for anyone, but it is certainly an unhealthy environment for a child of God. Amen. I want to tell you today that we are not helpless and we are not hopeless. We are serving a God a God of peace a God that can speak peace he is the speak the the peace speaker and so I want to tell you today unequivocally that we have to stop we have to close out we've got to be intentional and we've got to be proactive to put an end to the negative voices that speak into our life Amen. I want to tell you, if you're around somebody and all they got to do is point out bad that's going on in the world and bad that's going on in the church and bad that's going on about this person and that person, you can't imagine the toll that that's taking on you. You might think, well, I'm strong enough to handle this. I'm spiritual enough to overcome it. But I'm going to tell you what you don't understand is they're chipping away like a hammer and a rock at your faith and your confidence in God, your confidence in the man of God, your confidence in the house of God, your confidence in the work of God. We need to resist the negative voices and resist the temptation to let fear come into our lives. Can I tell you, amen, I don't know what this world and the future holds, but I do know this. I do know that God said, I will be with you. I will go with you. He told Cyrus in Isaiah 45, I'm going to hold your right hand. I'll make crooked places straight. I'll tear down gates of prayer. I'll tear down gates of iron and I'm going to tell you if he would do that for Cyrus he'll do it for the church in this very hour he is with us I'm thankful to know the God of peace amen can we clap our hands to the Lord thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Lord amen I'm going to ask our musicians if you will to come shalom Amen is, is, is defined as wholeness, completeness. It is defined as harmony, prosperity, welfare, tranquility, all of which God desires for us to have. Amen. God wants to have us to have it all. Not to worry, really, about anything. I know that's a big statement, but to pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He's done. If you're like me, God's done an awful lot. An awful lot. 
And Paul said this to the Philippian church, His peace will guard your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's His commitment was, my peace, what is that peace? Wholeness, completeness, harmony, prosperity, on and on. Will guard your heart and your mind. I will say this as we conclude today. That even in the absolute and perfect will of God, we will still face challenges. You can't think, well, times are tough, so I must be out of the will of God. This happened, so I must be out of the will of God. I've admonished people through the years, the most important thing you can establish in your life is the will of God for your life. If you know you're in the will of God, then just anchor down and hold on. And when the winds are blowing in your face, but you know you're in the will of God, you can stand. I've taught many times through the years to men and people in ministry to say you need to be confident of where it is that God has called you. Because when, and not if, but when challenging times come. If you know you are where God called you, then you will know God will keep you. But I have watched, sadly, I have watched people through the years that were unsure of their call of God. And so as they would grow in the Lord and seasons of testing and trying comes, they find themselves all the way back down here to ground zero because they're not really sure they were doing the right thing to begin with. And then they would climb again and other seasons of storm come and they find themselves back down at ground zero. But when you know you're in the will of God, seasons will come. And I'm going to say something unpopular today. Seasons will come in your life that will absolutely stop forward progress. I'm not being negative or cynical, but I'm going to tell you there were seasons I didn't have time to grow. I was just trying to survive. I wasn't blossoming. I wasn't blooming. No, no new revelations flowing. Oh, man, I'm holding on. I'm holding on for dear life. But God didn't leave me there perpetually. He didn't even forsake me in that season because there was something growing on the inside that I really couldn't detect until I got through the storm. You see, sometimes branches are reaching out. We can see that and rejoice in that, but other times roots are just growing deeper. And sometimes in those seasons when we think nothing is going on, everything is dormant, the roots are just tying themselves around a little bit of bedrock, and that's what's going to hold them in the storm. My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Let's stand. Can I tell you today that my confidence in the church has not backed up two degrees? <laughs> oh, no. No, the church, church is in good shape. Church is fine. We all have seasons and times and, 
And even in the ideal will of God, we can find ourselves where things just don't make any sense. I, I will, I will just wrap it all up with just a reminder of the ministry of Paul and Silas very quickly. They were coming together, joining together, joining forces to propagate the gospel. They began to encourage and visit and spread the gospel. They felt in their heart, we we need to go over here to the providence of Asia. We're going to go here and we're going to witness to them. And the Holy Ghost stopped them. They were going to Bithynia and, and the Holy Ghost stopped them from going there. Finally in Troas. It was, there, it was there that a heavenly visitation came to the Apostle Paul and he saw a man that said, come to Macedonia, a heavenly vision. Now you would just think, all he's got to do is just get on that path and it's going to be downhill, just smooth as glass because this is the will of God. But you see, even following the call, following the call of God, there, was, there can be conflict and confusion and and they had great results in Macedonia, but I can tell you something else. They were also arrested and beaten and chained and imprisoned in the will of God. If you're looking for a life or you're looking for church to be just problem free, can I tell you, it's not going to happen. Amen. What, what we need is just the God of peace to go with us. Amen. Let's magnify the Lord together. Let's worship Him in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How we need you, God. 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 Can we worship Him today? Thank you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website again thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family